Well, uh, today is our first Sunday on a new schedule, first Sunday in uh, our new church here, beginning uh, today, and uh, children and students will be uh, being promoted. They hopefully got all the information about that. And it's also uh, the last message in the series to hopefully prepare us uh, for um, th- this coming year and for the rest of the life of this church or the rest of your life within the life of this church. We've been talking about audacious in the sermon series, um, and today comes to brings us to the final word that we talk about, and that's commitment. In uh, um, uh, Mature Living, and, and I, I do read Mature Living magazine, um, I noticed that there was an article in there this month about Beth Moore and her new book, Audacious. Uh, and uh, she, as she talks to us about the, the, the passion that we should have in loving God because of the passionate love that God has for us. Uh, Monday afternoon, I was in the Lifeway bookstore, and boom, there was her new book, Audacious, on the bookshelf. And so that's what we've been trying to emphasize uh, as we prepare uh, to continue to be the church of God here at 91 Polo Road, Spring Valley Baptist Church, ministering and trying to reach people here in our church field. You know, we've talked about our worship, uh, and I called it celebration. We've talked about our ministry, uh, and uh, we call that our impact on lives. We talked about trying to reach people for the glory of God, and we call that our pursuit. And then we talked about uh, last week our, our generosity and our level of generosity and being obedient and faithful and giving back to the glory of God. And we talked about our commitment. I mean, talked about our, our sacrifice. And today, we come to talk about commitment. And as the whiteboard talk indicated to you, commitment comes at various levels for various things, getting married, buying a house, or training for a special athletic event, you know, accepting a job responsibility, you know, buying a car, all those kinds of things call for a commitment. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then there is a level of commitment that he calls us to live by. And he made that very clear. Uh, every time he talked about discipleship and following after him, he talked about the kind of commitment that he was calling for and that it would take to follow him. In Luke 9, 23 through 24, uh, Jesus said, uh, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And then a little bit later on in Luke 14, verses 26 through 27, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, there's there's some understanding that we have to put with those words, but the bottom line is, is that Jesus calls us as his followers to be unconditionally committed to him. And so today we're talking about commitment. I, I happen to think about this little thing, this little song uh, I saw a bumper sticker not too long ago that said, what if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? You remember that line, in, uh, the, 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 the song about the hokey pokey? You know, you put different parts of your body in, you take them out, you turn yourself around. Well, Rick wouldn't sing it for us or, or, or act it out for us today. So I got a quick video. Just, just watch that. It takes you back some time, maybe. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your right foot in, and you shake it all about. 
You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around And that's what it's all about You put your left foot in, you put your left foot out You put your left foot in and you shake it all about You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around And that's what it's all about You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out You put your right hand in and you shake it all about You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around And that's what it's all about You put your left hand in, you put your left hand out You put your left hand in and you shake it all about You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around And that's what it's all about You put your whole self in, you put your whole self out You put your whole self in and you shake it all about You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around And that's what it's all about Once found a lion's skin. Um, I think a lot of us have a tendency to play the spiritual hokey pokey. We put our whole self in, and then we take our whole self out. We put our whole self in, and then we take our whole self out. And it depends upon circumstances. It depends upon, uh, you know, how, how good our life is going. It depends upon how blessed maybe we are, how good we feel about our relationship with God. And, and, and that's not the way that, that God envisions our relationship with him. Hey, I want us playing a spiritual hokey-pokey. We put our whole self in and then we take it out. We put it in and then we take it out. He wants us to make a complete commitment to him. And I want you to look with me at our scripture today that, that challenges us to that. It's found in, in, the, in the book of Romans written by the apostle Paul uh, in the 12th chapter. Very familiar verses should be for you if you're a believer in Christ and a follower of him after any amount of time and read your Bibles. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now the challenge that we find there from the Apostle Paul is, is that we make a total commitment. And we put our whole self in and we don't take it out. So let's look at what he says and and why we should make that total commitment. And the first thing he says is that we offer our life to God because of his mercy to us. He makes that abundantly clear. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What he's saying to us is that when we recognize what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, then the only response that makes any sense is for us to commit our lives completely to him. Now, what has he done for us? Well, we're sinners. We're sinners by nature and by choice. And God chose not to do away with us and let us suffer on our own without any possibility of having a different destiny, but to not let us die in our sins because we know the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. But instead, out of his love and his mercy, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross in our place. 
And in Christ, he took upon himself all of our sins. And so what, that's an ultimate, that's the ultimate act of mercy and grace. And Paul says, because of viewing God's mercy, then we should be totally committed to him. And knowing what Jesus did for us ought to be motivation enough for us to give our whole lives to God. Where would we be without God's forgiveness? Where would we be without God's presence in our life? What kind of hope would we have without him? But you see, we find the answers to all of that in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the grace giver. He's the sin forgiver. He's the soul saver. He is the dead raiser. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In recent years, a phrase and a concept that's awful has become a part of our language and basically a part of our news almost, almost every day, and that's suicide bombers. You've got to think, what in the world would cause a person to strap a bomb to him or herself and go into a crowded building or on a bus or movie theater of some sort or wherever and detonate that bomb and blow himself and countless numbers of other people to pieces? Well, I think Osama bin Laden gave us that answer following 9-11 when he said, we, talking about himself and, and radical Islam, we love death, but the U.S. loves life. That is the difference between us, and I think he's right about that. There's a fundamental difference between radical Islam and, and those of us who live in Christianity. And here's how one writer put it in great great summation of the difference between radical Islam and the Christian faith. In radical Islam, God tells you to send your son to die for him. In Christianity, God sends his son to die for you. See, that's the mercy and grace that God shows to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. He also said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And it's out of his death that we find our life. You see, Christianity is the only faith system in which we find salvation through the offer of grace for eternal life. See, every other religion says, do this. And God says to us through Jesus Christ, it's been done for you. See, every other system of faith around the world has a works theology. And you know the issue about that? You know the problem with a works theology? You never know what are the right works to do, and you never know how much to do, and you never know when you have satisfied the quotient for enough work to get you into heaven. But it's the Christian faith. Our system of belief in God through Jesus Christ that's based on God's grace and what Jesus has done for us. That's what Paul's whole argument is about our level of commitment. And you think about that, God's mercy and His grace ought to be the motivating factor in our commitment to Jesus Christ. If you've experienced God's grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, then you ought to make a total commitment of your life to Him forever. The prophet Michael said, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of His inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. 
There's no other faith system that offers what our God offers. He delights in you. The Bible tells us that when we were all sinners, that God sent Jesus to die for us. And because of that wonderful display of God's mercy and His grace, then we should make a total commitment of our life through the Lord Jesus Christ to God. Now, the second thing that Paul says in this great chapter here in Romans 12 uh, that calls us for our commitment is this, that we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. He says it very clearly. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. When he's writing that, there's a, uh, there's a thought in his mind about the Old Testament concept, about all the sacrifices that were made. People would have to come, and they come to the temple area. They'd have a, they didn't bring their own sacrificial animal. They, they could buy them and take them in, and they were offered up as a sacrifice for their sins. The difference in that in New Testament sacrifice is that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice, and there are no other bodily, physical sacrifices that need to be made. But when Paul talks about our bodies committed to Christ, he's implying all that we are, our whole body. And what does he want? He wants living sacrifices. He wants people of all ages who have experienced his grace through Jesus Christ to commit all that they are through their body to his glory in total commitment as living sacrifices. And Paul says this is holy and pleasing to God and it is your spiritual act of worship. See, the problem of a living sacrifice is this, that it's kind of like playing the spiritual hokey pokey game. You can put your, all of yourself on the altar, but then you can take it all off. You can put yourself on that altar today, and then tomorrow you can take it off. And so that's why Paul says, offer your bodies, all that you are, your whole body, as a living sacrifice. What a commitment that is to make. Here's some observations I think I made about that. What kind of commitment is that? It it is a permanent commitment. When Paul uses that Greek language to write that, he writes it in a tense which says that it is uh, is a once and for all transaction, that you commit your all to him once and for all. We have friends in Florence County who are our church in Elam. A large family of of siblings, brothers and sisters. One of the brothers uh, developed a kidney disease. He needed a kidney transplant. They tested all uh, of the family members, and one sister was a perfect match. And so she said, I'll give you a kidney. And they came down here to Palmetto Richland Hospital. And it surprised me that they went in like it was an outpatient procedure. I thought surely they'd have them in the hospital the night before to monitor if they had any fever or any of that kind of stuff, you know, because they wouldn't be able to go through with the transplant. But she donated her kidney to her brother. She gave it as a living sacrifice. It was a permanent commitment. She didn't expect to get it back after a period of time. And in a similar way, that's what God wants us to make with our bodies. It's a permanent commitment. It's also a personal commitment. It's your body, your living body. When we talked last week about stewardship and sacrifice and gratitude and and generosity, and we talked about giving. But the bottom line is God doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your talents. God wants you. Because when he has you, he has everything that's yours. 
That's a personal commitment. And there's a physical commitment. I think it would make more sense if Paul had said, offer your spirit to God, or offer your soul to God. Don't you think it would read easier that way? But what he says is, offer your bodies. And if you trace that thought through the Scriptures, it tells us that we can either offer our bodies to sin or we can offer our bodies to God. In Romans 6.13, Paul said, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. Now, the, the, the mindset to which Paul was writing was, was the, the Greek philosophy so prevalent at that time that said there is a dichotomy between the body and the soul. You can do anything in the body that you want to as long as you keep your soul pure. They were able to separate those two things. And so that's why, like in, uh, in, in the Senate, the Roman Senate, they could conduct the, the business of that day and then at night go out, give themselves to temple prostitutes, have orgies and a drunken time, and then clean up and come back in with a new toga on the next day and, and do business again because they were saying, what we do in our body doesn't affect our soul. Kind of sounds like politics in Washington, D.C. a little bit, doesn't it? That's why the Apostle Paul says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but you are not your own you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's. See, this level of commitment is that God wants all of you. He wants you as a living sacrifice in total commitment to Him through Jesus Christ. And I think the third thing this passage of Scripture tells us is this, that we offer ourselves to God through transformation and renewal. In verse 2, Paul says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, he says, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, that verse has been translated in some very powerful ways. Let me share a few of them with you. In the New Life translation says, Do not act like the sinful people of the world. That's a good translation. The New Century version says, Do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world. That's another good translation. The Amplified Bible says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I think that kind of hits the nail on the head right there with that one. Then the New Living Translation says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And there may be a very familiar one, very famous, is J.B. Phillips' translation that says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. So what do we do? We demonstrate our commitment to God by refusing to conform to the culture around us, to the world. We talked about the world earlier, and that simply means a system or a force or a way of life out there that's void of God and godly principles. Now, when we give ourselves to God, it's reflected then in how we live. 
We are to stay in the secular world without being trapped by it and without being squeezed into its pattern and without changing ourselves to be like the culture in which we live. We are to be nonconformist. We're to live as transformed people, people who have been transformed on the inside by the power of God through Jesus Christ. And that's the great difference that Christ makes in our life. We are transformed. And then Paul says, we are to experience the renewing of our mind. We reprogram our mind. We renew our thought process through Christ. In doing some research this week, I read that psychologists teach us that there are two mental laws that contribute heavily to our mental state of being. And he says, they, the, and, the, and it's these two, the law of concentration and the law of substitution. The law of concentration says that whatever we dwell upon grows in our life experience. Whatever we think about on a continual basis becomes a part of us. We become what we think. Now, the law of substitution says that our conscience mind can only hold one fault at a time. And it makes no difference to our mind whether it's negative or positive. It can only hold one at a time. But we can choose to substitute negative thoughts with positive thoughts and change our mental state of being. I think God had some of that in mind when he wrote in Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So now that's where we live out the reality of our commitment to the Christian faith. We are what we are. Because of what we allow ourselves to concentrate upon. That's why Paul challenged us to be transformed and then to renew our mind so that we would think differently. I love what Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, we give ourselves to God through transformation and the renewing of our mind. When we come to talk about commitment, and we don't want to play around with it, but we want to be a committed disciple and follower of Jesus Christ, and we totally commit our life to Him, then we're changed. We are transformed by His grace. We renew our thinking. And in that entire process then, God is glorified. So He challenges us as we live in this world, not to be conformed to this world, but to be committed to Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, and God the Father Himself. That's the challenge for us. Father, we thank you that in your great mercy and love for us, you chose to give to us out of the abundance and long-suffering of your love, grace. And it's through your mercy that you gave us Jesus Christ instead of death for our sins. 
And in the gift of Jesus Christ, you gave us life and life everlasting. We know the freedom from our sins and we know the freedom and removal of guilt and shame. And so we come today with the desire in our hearts to be totally committed to you and to your kingdom through Jesus Christ. And it's to this end, Father, that I offer this prayer in the name of Christ. Amen.